Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. It's so good to see you, man. You have no idea. I was telling Alan yesterday how much I missed. Well, I think I texted you too. I missed you Mm -hmm. so much, man. How are you? Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah, if you're today? gonna miss me, you should text me, not Alan. Come on. Uh, no, no, I did. I did. Uh, I, but um, how are you feeling today, man? I'm feeling better. I'm. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm, a, I'm just a chemo rookie. I didn't see it coming. They they actually didn't give me the. I didn't have enough uh, nausea meds on hand. Didn't know. You know, it's. You know, they have a lot of that in the actual chemo nowadays, but. But uh, um, I, not enough. Uh, no, it, and so it 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 it, it hit me fast on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday was chemo, and Friday hit me fast. Uh, really, I thought I was just sailing along, you know. Just you know, all of a sudden, it just hit me fast. And yeah, you you I see you have the face that knows what I'm talking about. It's not well, I but see, I don't. I'm feeling uh-huh. terrible for you, but the six <laughs> months of chemo that I had was a breeze compared to almost anybody I know, Tom, mm. including you, that's gone well, through chemo I, and radiation. I didn't get sick at all. Uh, I didn't uh, lose my hair. The steroids uh, and the chemo did me a lot more harm than the chemo than the chemo drugs. I got real uh, hyper for a few days until yeah. we changed the steroid. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't know you were having severe uh, nausea. Man. Yeah, I did. I, I did this time, but I got, I got my nausea medicine. I'm, I'm fired up and ready to go again. I didn't sleep for three days and three nights when I first started chemo, Tom, and I didn't wow. know it was a really powerful steroid. We'll see what happens to me. I sleep like a fucking log anytime, anywhere, always have. So it's like, and I've been sleeping every chance I got since this. So that sleep, sleep is not a problem. Welcoming Roger Andis back to the podcast, um, and now we've got uh, Tom and also Alan here to talk about self-esteem and emotional sobriety. How's everyone doing today? Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, you don't want to go there. <laughs> well, I can tell you it's an audio podcast, but everybody on screen is smiling, so they must not be doing too bad. <laughs> we're just we're smiling we're just... at the absurdity of the idea that even feeling good could be a possibility right now. There you go. You know, nobody lives there all the time, but when you're in fully in the moment, you can experience joy no matter what else is going on. And that's what we, that's what we were just doing. Cause I, cause when, 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 when Patrick said everybody was smiling, I looked up at everybody smile and, and including mine and realized we're all, we're all smiling. <laughs> the only other thing I would add to that, Tom, is if you're in the moment enough and if you're self-accepting enough, Right. Because I can be yes, in the yes. moment with my shame yes. and with my self-hatred hatred yes, and yes. stuff. And I, I'm not smiling too much. But if I'm in the moment mm-hmm. enough and I'm self-accepting enough, or I should just say reality accepting enough, which includes me, but isn't limited to me, then I can. It's true. I can I can smile. And and especially if I'm with people I love like you guys, all three. of Well, you. that's so, a, that's a great segue into to where I think we're going today, which which is is. One of the things I've learned as we've looked at self-esteem, you know, and, and recovery and emotional sobriety, how it all goes together is, and I've learned it as much from you, maybe more from you than anybody else is how much self-esteem is associated and is dependent upon self-acceptance. Yeah. I mean, I mean like radical self-acceptance moment to moment. Is that overstated? I no, it's not overstating it at all. As my mentor, the, as you guys know, in the area of self-esteem and a guy I did quite a bit of my personal therapy with on, on myself, Nathaniel Brandon said, 
if you don't have a high level of self-acceptance, you don't have a high level of self-esteem, even more so than the other pillars of self-esteem from his perspective. Uh, so our, our degree to which we are in both senses of self-acceptance, he, he writes about three levels of it, but I'll only speak to two. The first one is, is the, the level where we've learned most of the time in most ways to, to be a good friend to ourselves, right? To be somebody who's trying to be encouraging rather than discouraging, uh, caring rather than hateful <laughs> toward, toward who we are as a person. The other level he talks about it at is, uh, even if I'm not happy with a lot of parts of myself, I can still be accepting of them in, in the way of, I can be willing to acknowledge them and face them and feel them right? Yes. And work through them, which can take weeks, months, years. If it's an, if it's a reality that's unacceptable enough to me, the death of a loved one, for instance, or the mm -hmm. loss of a relationship, uh, that can take months and years to achieve a deep level of acceptance of an experience like that from my, well, from what, my what point of view. One of the things that I, that I've heard you talk about from that, and let me be sure I got it right, because, uh, because part of what you're, I see self-acceptance is a process more than an all or none thing with, with the way you describe it. And, and so when you talk about resistance to acceptance, the first thing I, I, when I hear you talking to somebody like on the Thursday group or just, just or even one of us is like, you know, about that, where there's resistance to acceptance. I, I think if I'm, if I'm getting this right, one of the first places you go is just to say, okay, well, we'll accept the resistance. Yeah, as well. that's it's part that's of it. it. It's not like it's not like fighting it. It's like just, OK, accept the next piece. And I'm so pleased you brought that in, Tom, because self-acceptance from my perspective as it's evolved and is it's always applicable to our situation. There's no mm -hmm. experience I can be having mm -hmm. that the question of self-acceptance or the process or attitude of self-acceptance is not relevant. To, mm -hmm. is not applicable to because like you said if i'm in a place where i don't have the slightest bit of acceptance towards something that's going on in me or something that's going on in another person especially one i i care a lot about or some situation or event that's where the self-acceptance process begins is i'm accepting right now that i hate this i don't have mm -hmm. an ounce of ability or willingness mm -hmm. to accept this reality right now like especially with the health issues that, you know, you, Tom and Alan, and I hope you haven't been going through any Patrick, but uh, that, th that the three of us have been going through uh, in recent weeks and recent months. Um, that's very often where the process of self-acceptance needs to begin. Tom is, and, I don't still get, and we still get, to, uh, maybe I'm being, being uh, too literal here, but so, because I'm just I'm thinking about myself now and also myself through the years in terms of trying to different versions of myself trying to get a hold of this. So that means that still counts as self self acceptance. Uh, it absolutely does from my perspective. Okay. So, but I can accepting also, that I don't want that I have no I hate this I don't want this I can't stand this I I don't yeah. want to accept it. I, that's even self acceptance. Yeah. It is very much wow. so from my perspective, very much wow. so. But here's okay. the other thing I would add that's just coming to me as you say that, Tom. If I have some degree of differentiation from that, 
from the, the feeling I'm having or the mm-hmm. event that happened or whatever. I can be experiencing that, but I can still be fight. It, this, it, this is filled with paradox, mm-hmm. filled with irony for mm-hmm. me. So I can feel, I, uh, one of Brandon's statements, as you've heard me say several times regarding self-acceptance, and you've heard Alan cite Brandon with this too, mm-hmm. Do not be in an adversarial relationship to your own experience. Wow. Now, he acknowledges when he's writing about self-acceptance in the six pillars of self-esteem in the self-acceptance chapter, the self-acceptance pillar, sometimes the best we can do is acknowledge that we don't have any acceptance toward the experience we're having. So yes, that is a but, form. But you're still of, okay. But so you're but you're still you're still holding you're still managing to have some differentiation with that is what you're saying. If it, because, if I the, the mo- go ahead. Well, it could because it's this is sort of like the maybe the English major in me. So because if you because you could ask the question, what are you not accepting? I'm not accepting that. And so once I once I say once I can point to that or describe that as something I'm actually I am differentiating it for myself. I'm not That's, just saying it, it may feel like I'm I'm not accepting myself, but what you're, what the work is to say I'm not I'm not accepting this thing that this other piece that I don't want as opposed to I'm just not accepting myself. I that's right. That's I'm right. Example. Complicated. Yeah. I'm going to throw yes. an example. Um, uh, so uh, I've been struggling this weekend to do a piece of writing and I can, I think my writing process puts me right up against my perfectionism and um, yep. you know, the, uh, the, the voice inside myself, that's basically just trying to discount every positive step I take forward. And also the paradox of, I really don't like writing it's really challenging for me, or it's like very stressful. It's a stressful process because of the things I just mentioned, but boy, do I love writing or love reading writing. And I love, you love, you love to have written. That's what I've always said about myself. I love to have written. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and and what the, the progress that I was able to make uh, this weekend, I actually finished a draft of something late last night, but it was the extent to which I was able to find a little success with that had entirely to do with not having an adver- adversarial relationship with the struggle that I was having. And cause that's, see, that's a compounding factor too, is like when I'm struggling to write, I feel shame about that because like, well, I have this gift. I have the time to be able to sit down and to express myself creatively. And, uh, and, and so why am I not finding that joy? Why am I not, you know, it's not even just the, the, the initial struggle of, of putting the correct, sequence of words together it's like why you know why then am i just not able to anyway i just thought i'd speak a little bit to kind of like how i identified with that process you guys are talking about well example i've been Good one. was taught as a kid as in college that when we're trying to get clear on something examples are the way to do that Patrick. so i really appreciate really appreciate because we can talk concepts over and over and over was that kind of it though was that like a little bit no that that is it Uh, let me give you another example that i remember nathaniel uh i think he wrote about he did write about it in in the book but he also talked about it in therapy groups uh he and his wife were you know one evening they were you know going to bed laying in bed and and, you know, his wife was interested in making love that night. And Nathaniel wasn't in the mood, right? He just, he just wasn't feeling it, right? So 
he could have just gone with that and, 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 you know, stopped, stopped at that point And that, that would have been it. Um, or if he, you know, was somebody who had lots of judgments and criticalness toward his sexuality and stuff, he could have gone into that mode with regard to it. But instead he just started talking about how much, how much he wasn't in the mood. <laughs> right. And how the idea just wasn't appealing to him. And he, and within a few minutes, he was starting to feel very sexually attracted to her <laughs> again. And that's an example to me, that's just really clear and simple about the power of self-acceptance and the kind of therapy that, that Alan um, has practiced for decades and that I have also worked, done a lot of work with over the decades, Gestalt therapy. Uh, it's a fundamental uh, theoretical aspect of Gestalt therapy that we change by embracing what is going on with us. We change by internally acknowledging and, ex and experiencing it. And then it can help a lot to also verbalize it or write about it or connect to another person about in that description of what's going on with us. It's ownership of what we are experiencing that yeah. often is the key piece of change. And change will happen of its own accord a lot of the time if we just take clearer and deeper ownership of whatever it is we are feeling. And it's a very powerful principle of, of change. Well, well, it's, it's an organic process. It's we're what we're doing is we're not blocking the process. And one of the things that you, you just also gave, a, you know, an example of is the power of communication is, is, and, and uh, I, I remember being in, at onsite with, uh, with, with uh, Sharon and Joe Cruz back when it was up in uh, South, South Dakota, you know, it's like, and I, and I remember, you know, going through the, their coupleship program with my wife. And it's like, one of the things they would, repeat frequently from their coupleship process was you know emotional intercourse uh precedes sexual intercourse you know <laughs> and and it's like and, and it's and it's and it's like it would it was amazing to me at times where where they would say no no talk talk about your feelings and i mean it, it, these guys were just interrupting me constantly no no that's not a feeling to say about the feeling talk about the feeling and i would go through this process and actually end up having a, this this quite interrupted conversation about my feelings to get some and then i'd be sitting at the meal next next time in, in the in the dining hall and i'd just look at Dee, Dee and i would feel just so close to her you know, and I, and I you yeah. know, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't a one, two, you know, here's the instructions of how to do it. It was just getting out of the way and letting, yeah, and, and communicating it, of course, is acceptance, right? I'm owning it. Well, this, this, well, should, this shouldn't go unremarked. I, I mean, this will come in as no surprise to you guys, probably, but my understanding of these concepts for so long was completely the opposite. I'm going to deny, you know, uh, all these things and push it into the corner. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to let acceptance in. And furthermore, I mean, I guess we're bringing the sexual component in here. Like uh, I go looking through the lens of the complete other way, you know what I mean? Not through the emotional expanding of emotional intimacy. Right. But let me just yeah. ride on my judgments and kind of like, uh, yeah. And you can, I mean, I, I had a lot of gas maybe uh, 10 years ago. So I was able to do, do things wrong for a while and uh, <laughs> kind of stumble through it. But uh, I'm fine. I'm glad I'm finally, you know, coming into contact yeah. with a different way to look yeah. at some of these problems. Yeah. There's a lot of acceptance in what you just said, by the way, in terms of your history. 
Yeah. Let me relate this in some way to emotional sobriety. Yeah. Um, because I, I see, I, you know, when we call it self-acceptance, like I think some of the examples you guys gave, it's, it's more of an acceptance of what is, isn't it? Than self-acceptance. Mm. Yeah. And I think that there's a difference, right? Self-acceptance would be accepting. Maybe there's not, you know, let me try to talk through this, like accepting what is like, um, like the example that you gave Patrick, to me, that's an accepting what is. I'm struggling. I'm having a difficult time. I don't like doing this. Making that announcement is accepting what is true about where you're at right at that particular moment. Right? Um, accepting that you're a perfectionist. Right? That that's a part of you. And see, one of the things that I think is important when we say some of this stuff, because I think there's a danger of overgeneralizing or over identifying ourselves with some of these self parts we have. Mm -hmm. If I say I'm a perfectionist, it means that there's no other part of me. If I say there's a part of me that's perfectionistic, mm -hmm. then I keep this, I keep myself in a better balance. Cause we talk about emotional sobriety about being balanced. That's one of the points I wanted to bring in. And the other point I wanted to bring in is that it's an honest relationship to the reality of the moment, mm -hmm. right? That we're having. And so that alignment with reality and in some way an alignment with ourselves to be is such an important thing. And part of that alignment with ourselves is to be balanced. I am not just a perfectionist. I am not just my addiction. I am an alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict, but that's just a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. It's not all of who I am or else recovery wouldn't be possible. No, I, I think I think the way you for me, I just think the way you say that it works better in some ways because it, it actually makes it less less personal. It's like, you know, that, that we're not it's not because what we're talking about are um, thing we're, we're talking about concepts and, and principles that, that apply to us all and the idea is and i and i like you alan i, I really love the the part where and i've gotten that from roger a lot too the, the idea that it's, it's acceptance of what is not just acceptance of me because you know and i mean hell almost anything we can do to get away from the the, the over focus on me that we've, we've spent so many years doing is probably useful to us and not in a negative way but just the idea of, of understanding we're part of a whole you know and that yeah. whatever you know that is and, and you're right identification with one part you know i have an eating i am i have eating disorder i'm an eating disorder no you're not you know you have a relationship with that you know yeah yeah, the way the way I think of it, you guys, is that self-acceptance is simply a subclass to me of acceptance. What is of acceptance of what is that's all mm -hmm. it's just. But I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you know how strongly I feel about that from the Thursday night uh, mm -hmm. workshops, Tom, that um, that that too much self-focus. In fact, as we've talked about self-esteem a lot, um, the big the two big pieces we've added to that from my perspective uh, compared to Brandon's writings is we've added the idea of humility-based self-esteem, but we've also added the idea of relationship-based self-esteem, which is, which is very different 
to and both of which the, are very essential with, to emotional sobriety. Absolutely. Uh, well, that that's the transition I was also wanting to make because if we talk about emotional sobriety as as you know, Bill Wilson introduced it in in the 1950s in in that letter to in in the grapevine in terms of you know excessive emotional dependency and unrealistic ex expectations then becoming demands that's where the, the notion of self-esteem and self-acceptance is is so intertwined any progress we make in our level of self-esteem and self-acceptance is progress that we are making from my point of view with our emotional sobriety because Brandon writes a lot. He uses the term individuation rather than differentiation, but he mm -hmm. uses it, I believe, in the same way, especially in his book, Honoring the Self. Uh, but much as you do, Alan, uh, he talks about it as a process of, you know, we're born in a completely dependent state. And in a way, our development is the, our, through our entire developmental process, uh, in some ways through our entire life, not just through childhood and adolescence is through is toward autonomy increased autonomy right but it's not it's autonomy in context it's autonomy in connection it's autonomy in relationship to other people and alan and i were just talking about this yesterday that it's important not to get too black and white uh, i think about these ideas all of them self-esteem yeah. self-acceptance uh emotional dependency uh expectations to me, they're all on a continuum, all of them. And um, as, I, as I was saying to Alan yesterday, an, a hyper concern with emotional dependency, if I'm already a person who in the process of my development as a kid and as an adolescent has, has learned to shut out other people from my life, has learned to defend myself deeply from other people, I'm going to jump on the idea of, oh, emotional dependency is a really bad thing, right? We can't have too much emotional dependency. I can't let myself be too impacted by how other people treat me or what they say to me because then I'm having excessive emotional dependency. It's just, it fits perfectly with my constellation of, of coping mechanisms already with the way that I've already oh, totally wow. walled yeah. myself up and isolated myself from other people. If, on the other hand, I'm a person who has never developed a, a, a solid sense of self, right? And that certainly applies to me and I believe to most of us in a lot of ways. And I really am far too influenced in the way, in exactly the way Bill Wilson talked about it. I'm constantly looking to others for validation. I'm constantly looking to others for approval, or I'm constantly trying to control others by quote, caretaking them in certain ways that aren't really that helpful, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. make me feel good and in control. Then the message about focusing more on strengthening my sense of self and my differentiation from others is, a, is an incredibly needed message for me to hear and gives me a path for, mm. for focus. So that's what I mean about not getting too black and white about these ideas because it depends on how I am as an individual. That's why I, I talk a lot about what's important is for me to know myself. And that's not easy, as you guys know. We all have huge blind spots. No matter how much therapy we've done, 
no matter how it, it reduces our blind spots. But I think it's real important to be humble about how many we still have remaining and how deep they go, no matter how much spiritual work and program right. or, or therapy we've done on ourselves. So I, I just wanted to put those pieces in, but I turned the, you know, what do you guys, what, what do you guys want to say about the connection well, between self-esteem well, and emotional sobriety? Well, yeah. well, I, I want to pan out just a, a tad more even and just say, you, you remind me of what I, I, I frequently tell people about any metaphor we're using in therapy that, that basically I say the good news is, you know, whether it be should monster in your head or addiction or whatever you say, it's, the good news is it's a, it's a metaphor. It belongs to us and we can change it any way we want to. It's like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an actual object. It's not an actual uh, objective reality. And, and, and this, this comes from my, my experience as being the, you know, the English major therapist who didn't mean to be a therapist, but was, uh, was an English major is uh, what you're describing is the same relationship with language. It's like, don't, 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 don't latch on to language so tightly. Cause I'll, I'll, and I see that often when I'm working with, with, with couples or any kind of relational stuff is a lot of times people are not so much disagreeing as they are defining their terms differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I mean, I've, I've, I've pointed out so through the years, so many times we're, we're, um, to say to a couple, you know, you guys aren't really disagreeing. You know, and they'll look at me like I'm crazy, but it, but I can then show them basically if, if we translate their language, they're they're closer to the to agreement than they think they are. Your self-esteem means something different today than it did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, what, what are some of the new factors uh, that you've been identifying? Well, the two that I mentioned a few minutes ago, Patrick, mm-hmm. are are the two most important ones because it. Again, Brandon makes very clear in his writings that arrogance and, and self-importance and boastfulness and trying to put others down in order to make myself look better, those don't indicate genuine self-esteem. They indicate a deficiency of self-esteem. They are compensatory in nature, right? To help me boost my ego with a capital E. But Brandon does not explicitly write about humility much at all. In fact, I'm not sure he writes about it at all. Uh, He implies it in a lot of ways, but not explicitly. Um, He writes about spirituality, especially later in his career, as self-esteem as a spiritual process, the the raising of our self-esteem, which I appreciate a lot because he he wasn't a religion-oriented guy at all. He felt Mm -hmm. because his focus was on rationality and on, on the mind so much right and so for me it's the humility piece that has had the biggest influence on me and trying to recognize all those areas of my life where I lack that attribute and the relationship piece and I you know I I still spend far more time alone especially since COVID but in general in my life I have a pretty introverted pretty introspective part of my nature in some ways i tell people covid has 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 not been great for me because it's 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 led me toward parts of myself that are already pretty pronounced and pretty strong in my personality which is i can spend tremendous amounts of time alone and be perfectly fine right whether it's reading or watching tv or 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 just you know writing or or whatever it is um 
So those are the two pieces, though, because my relationships do mean an incredible amount to me. They have with you guys and with so many other people, including my family, clearly. But is that something uh, you had? That's something you had to learn, or that didn't come to you naturally? No, it's it's it, it it relationships come to me naturally, but becoming more authentic in my relationships is very much something I've needed to learn. And again, that authenticity does not always mean, you know, uh, letting my experience in the moment or my feeling of the moment uh, possess me and direct and control my behavior choices or my words. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does right. mean, you know, developing an ability to increase my level of authenticity while also being sensitive to the needs of those around me. And I add, hopefully, to that in, in all caps, right? Um, so, Alan, you often talk about it as, as, again, with your concept of balance. It's so important to think of these ideas in terms of balance. You talk about the importance of being able to act for ourselves without mm -hmm. being selfish and to act for others without being selfless. And I love that way. I, mm, I, I don't know too. where you found that of putting it. Because it, 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 it addresses a nuance about we can take good care of ourselves, and that's not selfishness in the way that we ordinarily use the term, because normally it has quite a negative connotation. But yeah. it's, a nice, it's a nice way of speaking to that. And we can be focused on others and being sensitive to and empathic toward them and concerned for them without abandoning ourselves. And so I love that way that you put it. Al, it's about balance. Yes, yes. No, it really is, man. It seems to that it keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? And that idea about acting for self without being selfish and acting for others without being selfless is really a great idea in terms of the balance that we're looking for. Well, it's one of the things that we got to talk about words earlier. Words, words guide us, you know, if we can if we're clear on our definitions and and actually, what came to my mind, Patrick, when you said, you know, was different, I, I, I you know, um, show you how nutshell oriented I am is that it's a, it's, we actually uh, sell it, I think, on the online as a t shirt. It's, it's three words that I began using uh, many years ago as, as just the, the three words that I use to start my day, which are gra gratitude, humility, and kindness. And, and it's, I, I need, I need things very simple and it's, it's uh, the idea and the, and the, really the idea the meditation of that is simply that any of my, any day that includes within my own being, those three things, gratitude, humility, and kindness is, is likely to be a good day. Uh, and, um, and I, you know, and I just, I just put it in there like it's a habit, like brushing my teeth. As a matter of fact, yeah. I even have that particular meditation. It's a, I'm not sitting and meditating. I'm, I say those words when I'm letting the ducks out of their pen where they sleep at night. And that's and so uh, good morning to the ducks and, and, and gratitude, humility, and <laughs> kindness. And it's like, and, and, and just, the, and those three are really, I mean, they've, they changed, they've, those three things changed my life. I mean, it's yeah. like, and I think, you know, so I think the difference for me years ago, Patrick was, I was so fucking heady about all this stuff. You know, it was just, it was a lot of wonderful concepts. I mean, I can, I can read back and stuff that I looked, I thought about and read about. I, I don't disagree with anything I was saying or writing. It was, you know, but it's like, it's, it feels like these days it's deeper. 
which I think is yeah. hopefully how it should be as we get older. Yeah. I, if the, one of those three words is kind of my mantra through my day, mm-hmm. and again, nowhere near perfect in my practice yeah. of this, right, right. but kindness or, or mm-hmm. compassion, as I mm-hmm. think of it, mm-hmm. is that's, that's what it is. But all three, I mean, we've all mm-hmm. been through health issues recently, uh, Alan, you and Tom and I, at least, and uh, gratitude is a big piece of how I try yeah. to look at those. I try yep. to keep focus on, and even in illness, uh, I've found a lot of things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, gratitude, humility, and self-esteem are three incredible uh, not just ideas and not just principles, but practices, right? Yes. Practices to embody through my day. Because uh, I still get pissed off by all kinds of stuff that I wish I didn't get pissed off by, whether it's a driver cutting me off on the street or much more serious things than that. But as my acceptance that it's okay for me to feel whatever the heck I feel has increased or even to think whatever I think, but it's not okay for me to do whatever I, <laughs> whatever I might want to do. Yeah. And that I don't need to hate myself for it as a person, but, but behavior is in a different class for me. But as you mentioned, gratitude, you know, humility and kindness, I talk about three things that help my self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. When I align myself with those three practices mm-hmm. each day, my self-esteem is really strong. And yeah, it, I also talk about it in the ways Brandon does, that it's the integration of self-respect or a sense of self-worth and what he calls self-efficacy, which is just um, um, self-confidence, hmm. right? Um, uh, a sense that I'm able to deal with life reasonably effectively and that my mind is up to that task. That's what he means by self-efficacy or just self-confidence is another term that he uses right. for it. Right. But in a more personal way, like you say, self-respect, I also think about a lot. And you talk mm-hmm. about that a lot, Tom, mm-hmm. in terms of like, if I'm in, in, in a tough point, in conflict, trying to decide, it's like, mm-hmm. well, looking back on it, what decision am I going to respect myself the most for yeah. making right. in this situation is another very helpful guideline. But I really appreciate you bringing in gratitude, humility, and kindness, man. Because well, and, yeah. and you bring back the, the the ultimate punctuation, I think, for all of our conversations, which is which is practice. You know, I just I don't think we can say that often enough. I think we say it a lot, and we can say it more and be fine. And that is that that's one of the main differences between where I was and where I am today. Uh, Patrick is is I understand concepts are are useless and even dangerous because I, because I used to read concepts, you know, and think, Oh, now that I understand this, I'm better. I'm good. I, you know, and of course that was not the case. That was, that was, that was really, uh, that was arrogance. Uh, but the, the, you know, what, I didn't mean for it to be, but it was, it's, but until, unless I take a concept, if a concept makes sense to me and I want to use it, I have to translate that to practice if it's going to change anything in my world. I'm so resistant to practice, but the extent to which I've been able to cobble one together has meant a huge difference to the outcome. 
Oh, I've seen I've seen you do a lot of it, by the way. <laughs> it's the, uh, invisible to me, I guess, a lot of the time. Well, I'll try to point it out when I see it. Well, uh, I'm sure glad we did this. Me too. Me, Thank you for the too. invitation, you guys, very much. Yep. So. Hey, I, Roger, I, I hope you're uh, enjoying yourself. I, I We really enjoy having you on. So, like, uh, you know, whenever we're lucky enough to, to have you, I'm just so grateful. Mm -hmm. I, that means a lot to me, Patrick. It really does. Because I... You know, I love all three of you guys. Uh, I've known Alan the longest, of course, since 1979. And uh, so I, I know Alan at a much deeper level, and he knows me at a much mm -hmm. deeper level. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've come to love you, Tom, and you as well, mm -hmm. Patrick, in the time I've, I've gotten to know you guys. So um, I, um, it means a lot to me to, to, to have the invitation extended for me to participate in this. Uh, and it just embodies what, what I think about now in terms of, of self-esteem and emotional sobriety. It's mm -hmm. connection. So much of it is about connection. Before we wrap it up, there's one thing that's still on my mind. You said there were two components, really three components to self-acceptance. Yeah. You mentioned one of them. What was the second one, Rob? Well, I actually, I tried to mention two, Al, but I don't, I probably didn't do it clearly. Brandon, Brandon talks about three. One is a fundamental orientation, which is almost existential in terms of how I think of that word. Am I fundamentally for myself or against myself <laughs> in my life? Uh, do, am, I, am I against me or am I for me, right? As a person at a really deep um, uh, unconscious and also often highly conscious level or subconscious level. The second level is am I able to be aware enough? And we haven't talked about the importance of, of living consciously, which is to me really the core, even more than self-acceptance of his orientation towards self-esteem. Mm -hmm. The choice to try to know rather than not know, see rather than not see, understand rather than block out. That's part of what he means by living more and more consciously. But the second level is, am I willing to, to live consciously with regard to my experience, whether I like it or not, whether I feel good about it or not, am I willing to face what I'd rather not face about myself? Am I willing to talk about what I'd rather not talk about about myself? Then the third level is the most commonly understood level, which is I'm going to learn to be more loving toward myself in it. In it in a general way in my life. I'm gonna to learn to be more, more of a good friend. As you put it, I'm gonna to learn to get, you know, to, to stand for myself rather than to stand against myself. I'm gonna get off my back and stand beside myself in support as you put it or something like that sometimes, Alan. That, that kind of self-friendliness is the third level that he talks about. So. I that's hope a that's, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual program you just described. I think so. I yeah. think Brandon. Yeah, I think Brandon thought of it that way as well. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee, bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human 
Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me